All right, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I am your host, Caleb Nelson, and I have the lovely, just the super kind, the super sweet, the energetic, and just the lovely Bonnie Osfeld on the show with me today. Thank you, my dear, for joining. Thank you, Caleb, for having me. It is a real pleasure to be on your podcast. I've heard a great deal about you. We have a mutual friend. We have a mutual client. Amazing Sharon Wolin of uh, Wolin Productions, who made this connection possible for both of us. So thank you, Sharon. I'm going to say it right up front. Big love. Big love, big shout outs right off the rip. We do love Sharon quite a bit. She is phenomenal. And she was an amazing guest on this ep- on this show as well. So big ups to her. So I like to start off every show and you're already getting that those types of juices going right now. But I like to start off every episode with why I appreciate my guest, namely because on my vision and my pursuit of this vision of a world of inner peace, I okay. think we need to start telling each other why we love each other more. I think that's a good place to start. Okay. So even as we were having our conversation earlier, just like prepping this conversation right now, the way you look at, we'll call it difficult opportunities. You use the word challenge. This person is challenging me. You look at it as an opportunity to grow. And where I'm at in my life, where I see so many people, when they see things get a little bit tough, people that are in leadership positions that get a little, things get a little bit tough. Many people want to just bury their head in the sand or point the finger of blame or just run from the, run from the storm. You're like, no, well, cool. Like, let's see what we're, let's see what we're going to get out of this. And I deeply value optimism because to me, if we don't show up with optimism, there's no point. If we don't think the world can get better, why are we even starting in the first place? There's no point in showing up. So I think optimism leads to optimal outcome. So I want to thank you for being that because I appreciate people who see challenges as opportunities to grow. And uh, just thank you for being you. Oh, you're more than welcome. And uh, thank you. And uh, I'd like to thank your audience. Uh, It's very nice that they tune in to you. And I know for sure that they are going to learn a great deal from you. Well, now you're going to make me blush and it's not just my fake and bake. So there we go. (laughs) Say what you mean and mean what you say. (laughs) Honesty and integrity. That's it in a nutshell. Oh, I love that. Integrity. Man, you're warming my heart. Before we get going, how about this? How about we start this off now with sharing with our audience, because you know yourself better than I. Bonnie, who are you? That's a very good question because when I ask that question to somebody, a client, well, who are you? Or just even somebody that I'm just meeting, Caleb. And I say, who are you? The typical answer is, well, my name is Bonnie Osfeld. I'm the owner of Beacon Resources and the Um, business networking, uh, business referrals networking group. Those are my two businesses. I also own Beacon Resources Publishing for uh, publishing books. And I am a professional speaker. I am a business coach. And those are the labels that you give yourself. 
It is not who you are. Mm -hmm. There is a huge difference between what your labels are and how people view you as a person. For example, if someone said your name, for example, oh, Bonnie Osfeld, I have to call Bonnie. Why? And I had this happen. She's the most honest person in the capital region. I can't think of another person that I could call that would tell me the truth the way she would. That's your inner self. That's your authentic self. And I like people to focus on not their labels or labeling someone else, but interconnecting with people at a deeper level. So who am I? Very good question. The majority of the people would say Bonnie is an authentic person. She's authentic. She says what she means. She means what she says. She's honest. She has integrity. She's kind. She's compassionate. Again, even when you go that route, it's still labels. Mm. So the only thing you can say is, I get up every morning, my feet hit the floor, and I am who I am, whatever that might be at that moment on that day. And I truly believe that you need to connect with who you are on the inside to make that shine on the outside. Because when it shines on the outside, then people gravitate towards you. They want to listen to what you have to say. They want to have a conversation with you. I love conversations. And unfortunately, I think we have lost that art for about 10 years where people don't know how to have a conversation. And I really love conversations. I love it going. I love how people tell their stories. And, and I love to what I call active listening. Because when I do active listening with somebody and I'm talking to you and I'm active listening to what you say, or maybe somebody that I just meet. It's really interesting because active listening is different than hearing because active listening is I'm not looking at my cell phone. I'm not looking at my watch. I'm not looking around the room. I am active listening. I'm listening to what you say because words have impact. And if I'm not paying attention, and you say something, but I've been looking around the room or I've been looking at my cell phone, I'm, there's no way you're going to know what that person has asked you. And that's where people try to multitask. I'm going to be talking to you, but I'm on my cell phone. I'm driving the car. I'm on my cell phone. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. I have so much to do. I'm stressed. Really? You're stressed? Why are you stressed? You're multitasking. And your productivity drops when you multitask. It's been proven. You can talk to almost any neurosurgeon and they'll tell you the exact same thing. Multitasking will reduce your productivity. 
because the brain is only focused on, it's set up for one thing, 100%. So as I said to you before we came on, I was 100% doing my book. <laughs> and it was like, leave me alone. <laughs> I need to focus on this. Close the door to my office. Don't bother me. Leave me alone. I have to do this. I have a deadline. The editor wants this by such and such a date. No, I can't do it. You know, I can't do something else because I have to do this. I'm not going to multitask because I know if I do, I'm not going to get it done. I'm going to be split. Don't split yourself. I don't know if I've answered your question because I have a tendency to go off on different projects, <laughs> different thoughts. But that's you're not alone, my I dear. Am. You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> well, I mean, what's the word? Whatever. What they, uh, the and perhaps you were mentioning this quote the other day. People won't remember what you say, but they'll remember how you feel. So that's right. What's interesting, and for the record, I love. I ask that question that way every single time, and. For the record, that's also like the extent of my structure of this show, but like because <laughs> because I love that question for the uniqueness of the responses it gets, and I agree. There's this. Uh, I'll I'll see the first moment, and more often than I'll get like, "Ooh, that's a heavy question." Uh, there'll be a pause, like, "Huh, I haven't been asked that in a while." Most people are just like, so what do you do? Like, that's how people talk to each other. And you mentioned, I do firmly agree with you. The art of conversation, of true conversation has really taken a hit over the past decade, maybe a little longer. But I love that your, your breakdown there because most people do just go with the typical what I do labels. And it's so contextual to how you think about yourself what I loved in the experience, my experiencing of how you describe that was I got to hear what you cared about, what matters to you, how you want to make somebody feel. And I think that is just as important about somebody's I am statement. I make people feel this way. I know that I show up with authenticity and integrity and lead with honesty. Those are the things to me that I find important about that. The other thing I was laughing about in, in, in your part about hearing versus active listening, I'm like, I'm going to have to cut this piece out and just send that to my wife because I <laughs> lose my mind. <laughs> She'll always like, I heard you. I'm like, you did not hear me. Or pardon, you you maybe you did hear me, but you didn't listen to what I was saying. Because if you were there, I think what you brought to the table and what resonated with me and where my mind went with it was when you're not actively engaged in that moment with that person, you're missing out on all the context clues because language is so much more than just the words. It's the tonality. It's the, it's the rest of the story. It's the, it's the facial expressions. It's all of that stuff that comes with sharing a message, with sharing one's story. So anytime my wife is like, I heard you, like you were on your phone disengage is like no I'm, I'm here sharing pouring my heart out to you we also joke that i'm the chick of our relationship but that's a whole other ball of wax so yeah, that's that's all <laughs> the stuff that comes with it but i really appreciate some of the themes you brought up obviously something you and i have already 
bonded over is these concepts of, of leadership. And it's obviously very important, both in what you do professionally, but clearly in what you do in your personal life as well. I'm always curious, like, how did we get here? Take me on the journey through the story of Bonnie and how leadership has really played a role in, in how you've developed that in your life. Another good question, Caleb. I'm a believer in nature versus nurture. In fact, the uh, Albany Business Review did a, an article on me with that very topic um, many, many decades ago. The, the point is that there are natural born leaders. I truly believe I am one of them. And the reason that I am is because I think with the end in mind, and then I back up. And then I know whether or not I should move forward. When you just move forward, move forward, move forward, and you don't know what you're going to come up against, what are the roadblocks? Well, then you get discouraged and then it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But when you work, when you look at it from the end in mind and you back up, any roadblock that you can identify before you get there, you can fix. So I believe that leaders, and you can even look at some of the most profound leaders like um, a Tony Robbins, for example, or a Zig Ziglar. I, I'm a graduate of Zig Ziglar. And um, the one there's one thing that they always have. It's like a third appendage. Hmm. You see them, you're going to see this. There's no question about it. They always have a leather bound journal with them and a pen. They have a thought, it gets written down immediately. They don't try to remember it. And it's always with them. Hmm. Uh, it, in fact, on the inside, it will have all their identification in the event that something happens, uh, there's a catastrophe and they have to leave. Um, that it can be returned to them. And this is how they are so successful because they have a methodology and they know that you, if they have that thought, for example, and then they get back to their offices, okay, okay, so I had this thought. They go to the end and then they back up. Well, where did this thought come from? How can I do this? Okay, so they will always apple Tim Cook has a journal. I have a journal. I'm not a millionaire, though. I'm trying to get there, but I think I'm going to run out of age anyway. Hey, don't you sell but, yourself short there. So, <laughs> you know, I'm serious. That's what you look at is. And then so leadership in, I believe, can be taught. There's no question about it. It can be taught. You have the natural leader, which are some people like me and other people that I know that are just natural born leaders. Um, but then you can teach leadership. The difference is, Caleb, that when somebody takes a course that you offer or takes a course that I offer, attends a webinar, attends a one of your professional speaking workshops. The difference is that 
if you're not working with them one-on-one, -on -one, there's no way you can get to their comfort zone. So you have this conference, you have this workshop, and yeah, 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 you know, love it. I'll do this, I'll do that. And they pick and choose, okay, what they're going to do. Because there's some things that, ah, I like that, and I'll do that, okay? And they won't do the whole thing. And you give them a handout, and they'll go down the hand, well, I think I'll do that one. No, I don't really like that one. So the, that's the difference, is when you teach leadership, it's important to get to someone's comfort zone. When you get there, now you can move forward. What do they like? What don't they like? What do you think you can encourage them to do? And I'll give you an example. I think you and I talked about this, but this is a perfect example. I had a client, a longtime client, and he said, Bonnie, time management, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And so I said, tell me, tell me about it. He's telling me about it, and I'm listening and listening. <clears throat> and he says, on Sunday night, I create my whole schedule for the whole week. Really? You can do that without knowing what client is going to call you? You know to be able to do that? Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's the I, I do the time manager of what's already in the office. Okay. So then what happens? Well, on Thursday, everything seems to blow up. And then my whole schedule blows up. And I go, really? He says, yeah. And I said, well, you know what? In time management, when you do it right, you can actually plan for your blow up. How do you do that? Well, we will put together a time management, red dot, blue dot, black dot. And your black dot will be your blow up. Really? I can do that? And I said, yes, you can. But you have to follow it exactly the way I tell you to do it. If you follow this, at the end of the week, I'll give you a 100% guarantee you will, in fact, achieve 15 high-end um, projects for your clients, for your business. It can't be that easy, Bonnie. Come on. It can't be, but it is. Now, let's put together the program, and in a week you call me and tell me what happened with your blow-up. And he calls me and he says, I didn't have a blow up. I don't know why. I said, because you planned for it. That's why. <laughs> so that was really funny. And to this day, he still uses it. And he's still a client. And I just think the world of him. Well, I think something in this example you're using right now. Again, we'll talk about, we'll just use leaders. And I'll, I'll play more from like the visionary role visionaries in my estimation are like that the thought leader they're kind of usually the person that gets out there they're wheeling and dealing they got the energy piece down they tend to be that front-facing markety salesy person however somebody wants to contextualize that but it's a lot of that 
they invoke this feeling into people. That's probably where you're leading with that natural born leader. That skill set perhaps comes with a little more facility than others. With that type of person, it's a lot of feeling and flow. But what I enjoy, so when something hits, especially if they haven't developed some skill sets and organizing that, when something hits that just derails them, it just knocks them out, it seems unexpected. It feels like it got blindsided. What I enjoyed about that when you're saying, I'm planning on having a blow up, to me, the simple acceptance of that and saying, I know this is coming. Wait, the other shoe is going to drop. There is going to be a pandemic. There is going to be a recession. There is going to be a downturn in business. There is going to be somebody who gets fired. There is going to be uh, an upset client. There is, it's coming. People get this, like the world, like the Disney movie ending. Once I hit this, then I'll be successful and happy and no problems will ever happen. No, that's just not reality. What I love about this approach, where at least you're identifying and accepting and making time for it, at a minimum, it down-regulates the feelings of anxiety and allows them to meet the expectation of that thing. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they absorb the pressure that much better the next week. And over time, you just get used to dealing with that. You become more proactive about your downturns. And you right. also, what I'm finding, especially with that visionary mind, the owner, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call yourself, is there's a lot of shame and guilt around things going bad. It's like, oh, I'm a failure now. No, something yeah, happened. No, it was no, life. No, no, no. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd be curious to see some of your thoughts around like the feelings you see come out in some of these leaders when they're navigating these pitfalls. And I do also want to hear more about your story of how we got here too. So take me through this first, but then let's get to like the starting point of your story too. Um, which story? Your life story. I'm always curious. My life story? Your no. story is, as you talked about, like you moved through different phases in your life and like, oh, what are the transferable <laughs> skills? Like those are the interesting pieces. But I, I think you're, this thing we're hitting on right now is very valuable because I see it in so many people. And I've been fortunate to be around people who helped keep me grounded through that. And now I can see that in the strategies that I talk about with people. So I, I want to, I'm always curious about other people's language around it. Okay. I am a little bit of a risk taker. Hmm. I'm an entrepreneur by heart. Um, and Probably the one thing that I remember the most about the way I got started was at, at least how I expanded. Mm. Well, I decided that I was going to raise my family and I was working for corporate and I was going to be the first woman in management back in the day. Mm. They were training me and all I could think of was I didn't want my kids to be latchkey because I was latchkey. And that was the decide. You know, when you ask somebody, what was the deciding point? What was the line in the sand of why or how you made the decision? For me, that decision was latchkey. That was it. I did not want my kids to be latchkey. Would I think the same way today? I'm not so sure because I've seen others, other children who have really benefited by being with other children um, in daycare, in different kinds of 
programs with the parent working uh, mm -hmm. full time. I've seen both because I was PTA president and I saw both. And being a entrepreneur, when I finally decided that that's what I would do, um, and I went to the economic counselor for funding and they said to me, which you can't say today, is we don't fund women go home and have babies. And I went home, I was upset. And I said, No, I know this can work. I am an exceptional administrative executive. And I know that there has to be businesses out there that cannot afford to hire somebody to do what I do. So I went to the office supply. I knew exactly the equipment that I needed and that I wanted, and I bought it. I came home, put it on my dining room table, told my son, don't you touch it. This is off limits for you. This is not open for negotiation. This is not open. You do not touch this. And he never did. And um, eventually I ended up putting an addition on the house and his bedroom became my office. But needless to say, what it was, that was the defining moment of, I originally started the typing place when your office needs a faster pace, call the typing place. That was my look, my tagline. And businesses that could not afford a secretary, like architects, and um, I had an architect, two architects for 12 years that would come to my office, and I would do all of their administrative work. I had a um, consultant for 17 years um, who just you know, his wife was doing his administrative stuff and they had four kids and she said, find somebody. And he found me and we were together for 17 years. He was just an amazing man. His clients were around the world. He only worked with presidents and vice presidents. I learned so much from this man. The main thing I learned from him is that there are no problems in this world none there's only challenges and opportunities and your experience goes with you no matter where you go that's it in a nutshell and so when somebody says to me even with the book one this is true someone said to me when i said i was going to write the the book you'll never get it published and i looked at him and i said watch me watch me get it published watch me write it watch me get it published it's not going to happen oh yes it will i didn't know how but i knew that i had publishing experience thinking with the end of mine traditional publisher accepted it Hybrid accepted it, Indy wanted it, but in the end, 
I couldn't get it on the market until 2024, and that just wasn't good enough for me. That was the end of mine. Back up. I don't want it to be 2024. I want it sooner. What do I have to do? I opened up my own publishing company. I called people that I knew were experts in their field because we had worked together, editors, websites, printing companies. We put together a team. Bonnie, what do you want? This is what I want. I want to put this out on the website. Okay. Are you in? Yes. If you're doing it, I'm in. That's it. So that you're when you are an authentic person and you have people that trust you and know you have integrity, when you call them and you need them to help you with something, you don't have to talk them into it. They're there. They're there when you make that phone call. That to me is important. And that's what's really been important throughout my whole career. It doesn't matter what business you're going to start. What matters is how you do it. And if you're honest and you're authentic and people know it. And that's, it doesn't matter really, Caleb. You could call yourself, I'm this, I'm that, I'm going to have this business, I'm going to have that business. But the bottom line is, you have to think of your clients, not you. You are on a journey with your client. And that's what's, to me, that's what's most important, is how can I help you? What can I do? I just finished a nonfiction book on for Animal Communicator who is just an amazing individual. His, we finished his book and it'll be um, on the website in September. And it just blew my mind what this man does every single day of his life. I had him come and read my horse and he actually saved my horse's life. My horse is alive today because of this man. Wow. I'm not kidding. My husband was with me and we got in the car afterwards i changed the um the stable where he's, he was at uh because of what he told the animal communicator my horse communicated with him and within two days i learned that what my horse told this animal communicator was true i ended up having to call the vet and i said that's it we're out of here because it was something that was very, very critical. And every once in a while, Caleb, you'll find yourself, people will find themselves, well, this is my tipping point. I need to do this. I'm not happy with it. It's my tipping point. And then something happens and it goes on the back burner. And then something else happens and it's my tipping point. And it's my tipping point. And then Something happens and it's like, there's no more tipping points. This is it, he's out of here, new stable, boom. He is so happy and he is so healthy now. It's incredible, absolutely incredible how this horse's um, health changed. And I, I, you know, I did the man's book and 
I didn't know him until he came and needed his book done. And he had an idea. He had a vision. He didn't have a manuscript. You know, almost a year later now, he's got a book. Mm. I will promote him until the day I die. <laughs> he's an amazing man. Uh, you may even want to have him on your show at some point. He's just incredible man. I'm he's just an incredible, incredible man. And Caleb, that's what I would like to to really focus here is that when you are authentic, you draw authentic people to you. You draw those people. You don't draw the negatives. They're always out there and you just look at them and you just kind of say like, really, really? You can't think or say something better than that. And I think that's how I live. I just, I don't bring it to me. I don't want it, you know? So I think that's the most important part too, is when you're doing leadership, you're teaching leadership, you're teaching somebody to be their authentic self. Most people don't know who they are, Caleb. They truly and truly don't. They're, they're really more focused on labels. And somebody like you needs to work with them and get them past the labels, strip those labels, just take them off and get inside. And you'll, they will find themselves, it's like peeling an onion. Get to the core of who the person is. And that's what I like to do. I just love it, you know? Well, big lesson in there for me to kind of hit some bullet points that I, I think were some key themes in, in what you were sharing there. Uh, one of them was what I really enjoyed is people don't really care what title or what thing you're selling right now. They'll pick up the phone if they know you know your integrity. They know your values because you've been real enough with them to say, cool, I guess this is the new thing you're doing. I can see how these things are going to transfer over. Those things have a track record. If somebody's authentic, I know what I can expect. They're a decent communicator. Like these are the things I can at least, if things don't work out, they will do everything in their power to still do right by me. Like I, I see that as cool. So the more you keep working to just pigeonhole yourself into this narrow-minded idea of an identity by a, a, a label or a job title or whatever that means, you're literally pigeonholing your ability to connect with people. And sure. that, that was really, I think that was really important, especially in this day and age right now where there's so much opportunity to do multiple different types of outlets for creativity from professional avenues. Like so many people want to do little contract work in a lot of different places because they have numerous interests. I think that's really cool. Tipping points. That comes back to the ideas of challenges where what I heard in your story of, well, when the bank told me, no, you can't do this. We're not giving money. Go back and do this instead. Nah, that's that it, mm. like weird blessing in disguise of like, Ooh, and, and <laughs> often I find, and I know I'm somebody like that. You tell me I can't do something way to light a fire in my belly because <laughs> here comes the rest of it. Yeah. My wife knows like if I come home up in it, all up in a tizzy, she knows okay, let's, like, she's done much better of like making me sort out like 
are you really, is that really something you, you really want to get worked up about? And then I go, oh, okay, she's helped me through that. But when I heard those things, it's knowing that at some point, this, there's going to be a line where it, the, the um, what's the word I want to use? Inactivity, the pain of the inactivity is going to be less than the activity of moving in the direction that we're, you're talking about. Hey, you, the, 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 the threat of you're not going to give me money. I can't do it. Maybe the shot to the ego, whatever the thing is going to be. No, you cannot. You're going to tell me I can't go after my dream. Nope. That's the, that's the final straw Bye. I'm doing my thing. And then you said it again with some other things later on, like, no, you know, I can't get published. Nope. I'm going to go, not only am I going to get published, I'm going to do my own publishing thing. So like those, those things, they are really um, important to me. And the final bullet point I was taking out of this is the authenticity piece. It seems to be the continual through line through everything we've been talking about so far. And as you were saying, most people don't know themselves. And, and it sounds like from what you're saying that in most capacities, especially in a leadership role, the greatest asset you possess or greatest skill or greatest thing to work on is self-awareness to know thyself. Yes. Because you can operate from that place of, I don't want to call it certainty, but from, from, from a place of firm ground, this is where I stand. Yes. There will be other people who disagree, but that's okay. I'm here. Those who wish to be in alignment with this, you know where to find me now. Come hang out here with me. Let's do something cool together. And this is where we will commune. This is where we will connect. This is the type of values and priorities we're going to house in this space. That's the value of self-awareness because it allows you to operate from that. I want to call it peace of mind, but really peace of heart behind that. So and there's my wife walking in the background. I'm taking to the river. That's cool. I'm podcasting right now. Oh, That's my lovely wife, Hi. bringing all the fun and the excitement, taking the tie, taking tie to the dog, or taking tie, taking tie to the groomer right now. Because in our own infinite self awareness, we, we need to know our little boy needs to be groomed so he can be all fresh and so clean, clean. But you see, you don't with me. You don't need to um, think of that as your wife doing that as a negative because that's part of who you are and when you have a home office or you have an office where things come and go like that you're not at a bricks and mortar fine don't make any excuses i noticed her but do you know what i saw first what's the baby damn you have a baby that's fantastic well, we have a dog and maybe that's a premonition because we've been talking about starting our family. So by the time this airs, if there's a pregnancy that I need to announce as well. Hi, I but will... that's what, that's who, it's not necessarily who you are. Mm -hmm. It's more of your inner self being built in a certain way that it wasn't before. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference is you, I, I like what you said before where you said, you know, pigeonhole people tend to pigeonhole themselves. They do. And part of that reason is the universities is when you 
apply, they try to pigeonhole and fill certain boxes. Well, this one wants to be an engineer. So, okay, we'll put them there. This one wants to be liberal arts. So we'll put them there. Okay. Um, and that's what they tend to do. And then you go in that, um, you've been accepted in that program. And then all of a sudden, well, that's what, that's what you become because you were accepted in the program. Does that mean that that's the best career for you? That's what happens when people go through career transitions at the age between 40 and 50. It's like, I really don't like what I'm doing. And I think the pandemic really brought that out in a lot of people because they were home and they didn't have somebody really looking over their shoulder and they could really identify with who they were and what they were doing and what did I like and what didn't I like. I had one client who grew a beard and I've never seen him with a beard. And I got on a Zoom meeting with him and I go, what the hell have you done to yourself? He was always like jacket, tie, hair, you know, just the epitome of a successful leader, man, you know, client. And just, you knew that when you met with him, no matter, or you saw him out somewhere, he looked distinguished. He gets on the Zoom, he's got a beard, long hair. I go, what the hell have you done? <laughs> he's in a shirt with no tie, it's plaid. And I'm going like, who are you? He said, I don't know. I couldn't, because of the pandemic, I couldn't get to the barber. The barber is closed and he's going on and on and on about this. And I'm going, yeah, I know. Uh, I can't get to my hairdresser either. <laughs> he goes, I know, Bonnie. And I said, look at this hair. <laughs> he, you know, I usually, I was getting my hair um, colored mm. every five weeks. With the pandemic, I just said, I couldn't get to my hairdresser, so I became gray. Mm. <laughs> and it was like, I got so close into the gray, I, my hairdresser said, you know, you have a really, really beautiful color gray that is so natural. And the other hairdressers were going, what, the, what is that color? <laughs> and it was like, it was, and then I came home when it was, fully done, you keep cutting, cutting for months until it's a full head of gray. And my husband said to me one day, he was looking at me and I'm going like, what? How is it even possible that you have gray hair and you look younger? And I go, really? You're just saying that? No, I'm not. You know me. I say what I mean. And I go, yeah, you really do. I said, really? And he said, yeah, you do. You look younger with gray hair. There you go. So the pandemic for me with my hair, actually, we had company over the weekend we hadn't seen in a year. And she walks in and she goes, oh. And I go, what? You have gray hair. And I go, I know. And she said, it's stunning. And I go, 
Thank you. And that's it. it, it it's, you know, it's like people are afraid to go gray. And I have to admit, I was too for mm -hmm. decades. But there have been some things that people have experienced during the pandemic that has been positive for them. And it's so it's, it's, you know, you look at your career and people are saying, yeah, you know, I really like having a job where I don't have to go to bricks and mortar. And that's the first part is I don't want to go to bricks and mortar anymore. I want to work from as a satellite. Can I do that with my current company? Most companies have said yes. They have really and truly supported that. Um, why? I don't know. Um, perhaps it lowers their utility. I don't know. Um, I guess as long as you're doing your job and you're productive, it doesn't really matter where you're located. Well, you've brought up a few interesting thoughts from my mind. One of them was around the word resistance and the flip side of resistance is surrender. And those on the surface might sound, well, one of them is going to still be leaning with a slightly negative tone, but surrender is the word that most people are going to hear. Oh, maybe it's not a bad tone. What I thought was unique about your story about hair, how your husband was like, hey, while the typical societal interpretation of going gray in some way, shape or form, we, we think it's bad. I, and you said, I was resisting. <laughs> when you stopped resisting, all of a sudden your husband or the people that really value you and have a beautiful connection with you go, huh, you seem to look younger. You look even better. I think this speaks to this idea about surrendering to where we are and what stage of life and where, like, there's almost like externally, whether it's youthful or not, like there's a youthful nature that I think comes with getting deeper into our identity of who we are. That was the, 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 the subcontext I was hearing. But the more we resist it, I think about somebody just the like the immovable object versus the or the yeah the immovable object the unstoppable force but the immovable object is not moving like time is coming mm -hmm. age change is coming evolutions of business they're coming pandemics are coming downtimes are coming when we accept that things are as they are it allows us to become who we are in turn and without that extra resistance of i'm trying to be something that i just might not be I allow myself and give myself permission. I surrender to what I was capable of. Oh, and I love that word, surrender. There we go. I'll keep that as a quote. So my marketing team, when they're doing this, I to love that. Yeah. Surrender who you are as a person. Yeah. Caleb, that's fantastic. Well, I thought that was really beautiful because we put, I've watched a few things. I, I, I have my running, I mean, obviously this, podcast is called naked sunday so i'm a little tongue-in-cheek and a little zesty around some things and i talk about look better naked inside and out but when i look at the body and this is what most people don't know i'm going to share some secrets of what i did in my times owning a, a, a fitness studio if we want to call it a wellness center but it's trickled into as you talk about transferable skills is the body is a perfect journal for 
all of the stress in your life. And stress, as I am working through this thought right now, to me is pressure pushed onto your current definition of your identity. And the more people resist against that, you see people, you can just tell, you ever just look at that one person and be like, they have like a beautiful persona about them. But there's plenty of people that have like, they might be uh, by the math, you know, for because of whatever measurements and Fibonacci, see, they have this perfectly lined up, aesthetically pleasing look, but you look at them and you're like, there's something not lining up there. You don't see all the beauty, like they're not, there's not that distinguished beauty within that. It's the other stuff. If you're not walking in alignment with integrity with who you are, you see it and you see it in the behaviors, especially when it comes down to like, how are you feeding and nourishing yourself? What are the relationships you're engaging in? What type of integrity you're welcoming into your life? How are you going about your business? What are your relationship with your clients? What is the relationship and how are you leading your life in general? You can, I would physically see the stuff. You can see the stress lines. You can see the clenched jaws. You can hear the, like, where do they have pain in their body? Little signs and symptoms and, and cues that I would use personally, take them as you want, use them in your own practices for you and for anybody who happens to be listening. But the body is a beautiful journal and it's staring us in the face if we are a hundred percent focused. That's why conversation face-to-face, -face, and this is as close to face-to-face -face you and I can get to right now, is so powerful because you can really read somebody. You can really read how they feel. You can really re read where they're coming from. You can see both the inner beauty and the outer beauty, however that ends up expressing itself. And I didn't even know where I was going with the end of that statement, but that was something that I thought about. Just your story about the hair change. And I had learned a little bit about like people changing their style and things like that. Uh, I went with my wife to one of her hair uh, appointments once. And the reason why I bring it up, I thought it was a really drastic but poignant uh, story to like illuminate this point was um, she go, I was just asking about hair psychology and other, because I was just curious, dude. And she goes, yeah, if a woman ever, we were taught in school, if a woman ever walks in and says, I just want to chop it all off. Your first question is to be, so who's the guy? And that was the question. <laughs> what it speaks to me as somebody's views their image as a portrayal of what's what they are something like that external forces such as a relationship such as other external turmoil well why do you want to change your image so drastically do you not feel good in your image do you not feel good in your body do you not feel good in your identity and you're interfacing with life i thought that that was such an eloquent and beautiful way to understand what was being communicated about how we see ourselves, about what we see staring back at us in the mirror. I've gone on a bit of a tangent. So if it makes you feel any better when you were telling me before, hey, you can go on tangents, I can go on a story, I can go on a storyline too. So I didn't, didn't really know where I was going to end up with that. But <laughs> for some reason, I felt the need to share all that with your story. Though. <laughs> well, you know, it's really, I see more and more women actually allowing their hair to go gray. I think it's, it has a tendency where we really have become more in tune with what we put our body in. And your hair follicles are, they absorb everything. And in order to color, 
it's going to the root of, of the hair and goes right into your body. So, and it, again, when you are an authentic person, it's, it, your personality comes out and your inner self comes out. And the last thing somebody looks at is the color of your hair. It doesn't matter. Okay. This morning I went into my, um, my health food store up the road and I, I'm at the counter with her and she had exactly what I wanted and I didn't even think she would, but she did. And I go, damn, you have it. And she goes, yeah. And I do it. I take it myself and I'm going like, are you serious? And she said, yes, I am. And it works. And I go, all right, I'm going to take it right here in front of you so that if I die, somebody's here with me. She burst out laughing and she said, you know, Bonnie, you come in here periodically and you always have this serious look on your face. You, you know what you want and you're just go and get it. And you've got this serious look on your face. And then something happens like just now and you burst out laughing and you had this amazing, bright, beautiful smile. And I just looked at her and I said, you are going to make me cry. No, no, smile, no tears, smile. <laughs> and that was just this morning. Oh. So it's just interesting <laughs> that <laughs> I don't know what made me say that to her. I took it, I took, opened up the bottle and I just said, how many am I supposed to take? Because <laughs> I was having a, I do a lot of keystroking. And so the, my one, area on my hand was bothering me like it was stinging like I had a paper cut and it's been going on and on and so I went on homeopathic this morning and I'm going like what is this and so they described it as if it was a bee sting mm. and that I should use bee venom to get rid of it and I'm like really I wrote down what it was that homeopathic was recommending for this because it wasn't a paper cut. I could squirt it with alcohol and there's no pain, but it's inflamed and it's underneath the skin. And I know it's because I've been keystroking this book <laughs> and, you know, and I've been doing it at a rate that, and I know it's hurting my fingers, but I went, so I went to her and I said, do you have this? And she goes, yes, I do. <laughs> I went to the shelf and it's just full of this stuff. <laughs> I can't believe it that you have this. Um, it was just an incredible morning. Um, and now it doesn't hurt. I took four pills in front of her, little tiny ones like B12s, and you put them under your tongue and they, and they dissolve. And it was like, really <laughs> you know you'd say really this fix was that easy mm. but the bottom line is caleb i knew who to go to mm. i knew who to go to and i knew that if i went in there in her store she would know one what it was two whether or not it worked okay because if it doesn't she's not going to carry it 
and she carried it. And not only that, but she uses it herself because she's using her hands all day long. Um, you know, I'm opening boxes and packaging things and putting labels on things and dealing with customers. Um, so that was really what I knew this morning. And I, I said to my husband this morning, I said, well, if she can't, she doesn't have it, then the next thing I'm going to do is go to an acupuncturist. And I said, I'll just call Dr. Khan because I know Dr. Khan. And, um, and that's also what's important is who are your contacts? Who do you know? Okay. Who do you know that you yourself trust and consider an expert? Who are they? Who would you call? I sound like Ghostbusters. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. <laughs> I love your point you're making here, especially like a one, two step here is the know thyself, but also in knowing yourself as you're speaking to relationships and I've harped on relationships as being so important in communication, but I think as especially talking about authenticity and values and integrity, if you don't know yourself, you also don't know what you're looking for in other people. That's right. And especially that's a good point. Yeah. Well, it's it, they're your mirror. They're your mirror. How can you see and identify those things if you're not even looking at those things in yourself and being critical enough to say, how do I walk in integrity and alignment with those things that I hold dear all the time? Well, then becomes very obvious in how people go about their day, in the language they use, how they speak to others, how they work with others, the type of work they do, how they present the type of work they do, everything. And especially as you're talking about something like health, well, what I hear in that and what people are not thinking about from the hedging the downside, and this is where building good relationships is important, but what if you really do hurt your hand? What if you're out of commission? I guess your book that you're working on doesn't get done. Hmm. hmm. Like that right there, right. The, the, the speed and the efficacy of the deliverable on a relationship that probably took some time to develop and you've invested, you've been going back there a lot. You've been going there for some time and you invested in develop, developing the relationship with the proprietor, another entrepreneur, somebody who also is sharing your values. Here you are with a problem, quote unquote, an opportunity to learn. You knew who to go to quickly. Whereas in the, if you didn't, what if you had to go to nine different stores, buy 10 different products and have all these other, and who knows the downsides, but you had the trust. You had the integrity as the foundation. You had the awareness and the understanding of what you were looking for in a person. The product, whatever they were offering, could have been that or could have been any other product on the shelf or a recommendation to go to some other provider. You'd be like, oh, I trust you. I'm going to go with what you have to say. Even if it costs a little more off the shelf there, they're going to choose that because it saved you the rest of the time. When, when you're looking at something like that, you know, sometimes I say, to my husband, you know, like, um, you can go to the health food store, homeopathic, you can go to an acupuncture, you can go to a chiropractor, or you can take antibiotic. Well, what do you want to do? I know I don't want to take an antibiotic. They can't even get me to take a statin for my cholesterol. I refuse. 
and well, why do you refuse? Oh, it gives me a headache. I don't want a headache. It causes my muscles to feel sore. If I want my muscles to feel sore, I'll go to the gym. <laughs> so, you know, that's just who I am. And my, I have to, I have a cardiologist because of family history. I have not had any issues with it, but I have a baseline and I was there the other day and he said, so do we need to have this conversation again about your uh, cholesterol? And I go, what's your, what, what do you want to ask me? Are we going to refuse statins? Yes, we are going to refuse the statin. Well, how about we try the injection again? I said, how about we don't? <laughs> and then he says, and I don't know if I should take this as a compliment or not, but he said, today, you are the oldest person I have had in here and the healthiest. And I said, and you want to give me a statin? <laughs> and you want me to inject something in my thigh, but I'm healthy? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and I come home and I tell my husband that, and he said, you know, they don't know how to take you. <laughs> well, something I'm appreciating about the few different themes and arenas where you just jumped around, we've just talked about business relationships, both at home and at work and in your community, but then also your health. Things that people don't think about that is not just one area of your life, especially when you're going after your vision of happiness and fulfillment and dreams, whatever, you're going to, it's going to affect all those areas. You have to learn how to be a leader and be integrous in all of those spaces. You have to know how you show up in all those spaces. You talked about what other relationships you're looking for. The fact that you can even have that type of direct conversation is cool. But the other thing that it speaks to when I hear that health stuff is like, so many people are just looking for the magic pill, the, the pharma, whatever magic pill savior to come solve my problem. So I'm out of discomfort for right now, as opposed to, well, I'm going to, I loved your thing. If I wanted my, what I want, so our muscles and go to the gym, like, like I'll go do some work. I'll go do the stuff. I'll do the behaviors. I'll do the, I'll, I'll, I'll put in the effort so that I can have more sustainability out of this, not be dependent on this thing. Like there's, there's a different conversation that can be had around all of these things. And I see it across everything. We don't just like buy some tool, some toy, some pill, some thing, thinking it's going to be the magic answer to all of life's problems. It's just not. It, it might serve a purpose and it might be part of the solution, but it needs to integrate and you need to do the other work for that thing to even be useful. It's the same way you could buy a, the I was just talking with my father-in-law yesterday. It's like, oh, this gym here. And then I was like, that's cool and all, but you know, like I got in the best shape of my life in a four by six living room, right? And he's like, yeah, that's the point. You got to actually use it. I, I know so many people get caught up on the stuff as opposed to how do you make this really simple for you to just show up and do the work that you already know you need to do anyway? Hmm. Well, I guess I, I really feel that, and I've said this, my body is its own pharmacy. And if it doesn't like it, it's going to boot it out. And that's it. It's going to say, 
tipping point. Get out. I don't like you. Get out. Now, it's not that I don't agree with doctors or anything. I mean, some, you know, uh, you know uh, but I'm healthy. Why would I take something that, you know, if I had a heart attack, then I wouldn't argue with them. It's like, okay, right. But I wouldn't take it very long. <laughs> you know, as soon as I started feeling better, got my strength back, went to the gym, got my strength back, did the right thing to get my strength back and my flexibility back. And then that's a different story. But for me to take a statin that, first of all, does not get rid of the cholesterol that's already there. It's supposed to stop it from building. Really? Well, I've had high cholesterol for 40 years. How much more room is there in there? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they say, well, you know, it could cost your life. And I go, you know what? And I don't have to put up with this crap anymore. Yeah. Oh, you cracked me up. It's, it's just, it's just who, you know, I mean, it's sometimes people come at you and they think that they're going to make you feel guilty. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not going to make me feel guilty at all. I trust my body. I have a brain. I use it. I don't listen to, you know, um, I have made mistakes with with the medical community and I'm a little leery, you know, because um, several decades ago I had um, I was developing osteoporosis. I think that's what they call her arthritis. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And so they gave me Fosamax, which made it worse. And then they end up taking Fosamax off the market and it's like, what the hell? So I went and did research. Where do you hear this, Caleb? If you take magnesium alone, all by itself, at night, before you go to bed, it builds bone. Calcium and vitamin D strengthen that bone. When I went back, had my a year or 14 months later all i had changed was taking the calcium i had built bone i no longer had that and he says to me what the hell have you done how is this even possible and i go well let me tell you what i did <laughs> he said really it worked and i said it worked he said I'm going to recommend it to my patients. And I go, go right ahead. Uh, you know, I don't have an intellectual property on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think, if we can take a universal theme out of what you were just sharing, there is more of the, when you brought up guilt and shame, you see a lot of that, especially actually you see it a lot in the coaching community where, and I would say coaching community from like a novice coaching perspective, and I am throwing myself under the bus here and that I've been in this place when I was really struggling with my own self-security and who I am and what I, what value I bring to the table. 
a lot of it was like, oh, I know these things. I've learned that from the book here over that da, 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 da. and like I know better and I have like a degree and da, da, da. and it didn't get me very far. It would get some people to do some of the things and yes, they got some they would get results, but it did they keep it? Well, under a tone and a pressure and a control idea uh, that more or less leads to shame and guilt if it's not perfect, if it's not adhering to that guideline as opposed to having a a conversation. Hey, what do you think? And allowing somebody to discover confidence within themselves to do behaviors and habits and simple things, something maybe as simple as taking magnesium. <laughs> it usually is not as big a deal or as if they're giving you some laundry list of things, usually that's the problem, but it's a simple thing. And we'll start there and let's have a meaningful relationship, have a meaningful conversation. Facilitating critical thinking is not easy because it puts it back. There on you go. To take, critical take thinking. Yeah. That's perfect. And you know, one of the first things that colleges is I did for many years, the college search and application and one of the most important things that colleges want is students that know how to do critical thinking. That, Caleb, is a very lost art as well today. I was just going to say that. I don't too know how many much people, that's being thought of. Too many people listen to somebody's opinion. Um, they, I don't want to get into politics, but what I see is journalist that got the degree in journalism and are not allowed to be a journalist for their job they have to read a teleprompter of whoever wrote what um and that's not being a journalist when i think of a journalist and it's in my book um you're on the street. You're getting the information firsthand. Who are you talking to? What are they saying? What's the commonality? What's the common denominator here? Okay. So if someone is saying, well, this lighthouse, for example, in book two, is the most tragic and the most romantic in the United States in America, why is that? What's the research on that? Who agrees with it? How did this lighthouse become known as the 143 I love you light? What happened? It's in the National Historic Places Registry as a 143 I love you light. What happened? What's the flash? How did that happen? Okay, so the history of the Manoa Ledge Light is in the book. And, but it's a journalist that comes all the way from Kansas to learn about this lighthouse. Is this true? How did this happen? That's not what we have today, Caleb. We don't have journalists doing the actual research, their own research, doing the triple what I call triple verification before you even report it before you even write it. Okay, so again, and that also affects communication as we talked about earlier, 
Okay, so how are you going to go about talking with people if you don't know how to communicate? How are you going to get to the story if you don't know how to communicate? How are you going to get to the story if you don't know how to write? If you don't know, have critical thinking. You know, I had a neighbor who said to me just the other day, well, because I said something to her, did you hear this? And she goes, that's not true. And I says, yes, it is. I watched it live. It's true. It's not somebody's opinion. I saw her say it on TV live. She didn't blame me. She had to go to a fact checker. She sends me the link for the factor. I said, did you know that that fact checker was debunked five years ago? Yet there it is still fact checker. Okay. And it was debunked. Don't, you know, and that's another thing that I say. When somebody says to me, and I had this happen to me in business referrals networking group where a person came to me before the meeting, one of the members, longtime member, and she said to me, uh, I need to talk to you after the meeting. Okay, is it about a member here? No. Is everything okay with you? Yes. But I need to talk to you. Fine. After the meeting, she comes up to me and she said, it's actually about a member in Saratoga, in the Saratoga chapter, and I know that you're very close to that particular member. I said, okay. Who is it? She gives me the person's name. And I said, and, well, and she gives me the information. And she said, you know, this goes against the bylaws. And I said, because I already knew it wasn't a surprise. I know my members. I know what's out there. And I said to her, number one, were you in the room when it was said? No. Were you within hearing distance when it was said? No. Then how did you come about this information that you're reporting to me? Well, it came from a very reliable source that I really trust. And I said, you know what? We're done here. Thank you. We're done. The following year, she was not invited to be a member. I do not accept that kind of negativity in my businesses. You know, if you were making a complaint about a member because it happened to you directly, that's a different story. Then, and I had that happen, and I went and did a test. And I said, okay, if this member's doing this to these three people, because I had three complaints over a period of a year and a half. And I said, okay, if this is going on, then Theoretically, the member would do it to me if I set it up almost as a sting. Don't you know we did? And I met with him and I said, your membership is canceled. You are now terminated. And this is the reason why. And he got really angry. And I said, no, you should know better. You should know me better. No way would I accept this kind of attitude, this kind of communication in my group. You're done. Goodbye. 
Well, I already paid till the end of the year. I said, you will get a refund check in the mail. That's it. Done. And, but there are people, Caleb, that would not do that because money, money. Yeah. And I think people don't consider that as much as it's real and it's the convenience. And that's to me, a lot I don't of believe in hearsay, first of all, mm. you know, don't come to me and say, he said, she said, that's not going to work with me. No way. Um, I don't believe in that. And I think today that's what we have more and more. And I find that that's a very sad part in humanity is that when you're doing hearsay, then you're not really um, focused on um, meeting people, learning who they are. Who are they? What do they stand for? What's their ethics? What's their integrity? What's their honesty? What's their expertise? Are they an expert in their field? Um, when they take your business, do they hand then hand it off to somebody else because now you were the low hanging fruit and they got to sale and now they pass it off to somebody else in the office to complete? um or do they keep it to the end do they follow that project with you to the end and make sure every step of the way that you are a happy customer okay there's there's so many different ways to run your business there's so many different ways to treat people but the bottom line is Treat them with respect, treat them with honesty, and watch what happens. They will, you know, they, most people will come around when they know that what you expect of them. And that, I think, is the most important part is when people know what you will accept and what you won't accept. They won't even try. My father-in-law was like that. It was like, I used to describe him as a tall, strong oak tree. It didn't bend at all. There was no gray. It was either if it was wrong yesterday, it's wrong today, and it's going to be wrong tomorrow. Don't even come to me. And the family, every family member knew, well, if I go to dad, eh, it's not going to work and they don't go to him. Mm. <laughs> or if it was something that he would really be able to give them some insight in, that's a different story. Oh, I'll go see dad. Dad'll know the right thing to do. And there you go. Well, I think a through line in all of that is um, the thing that sticks out for me, I should say, is in this day and age, people are afraid to think for themselves. It's easier to just offload 
your opinions and your thinking to someone else. But oh, that's true. Yes. But the problem becomes because most people sell you sell you the moon and back. All you need to do is just do what we say. No big deal. And that inherently doesn't work out because that works until it doesn't because there is a trade-off. There is a trade-off. And at some point, that is your intellectual freedom. It is your ability to think for yourself. And deep down, like at some point, everybody says like, I want to, I want this, that I want all the success, all this, but I should have that. Mm, should is a strong word too and the secondary piece to that is again it, like i want all these things but i don't want to have to always follow the rules to do it so, okay choose one pick one thinking critically allows you the skill set to have all the things you want you're going to have to deal with people disagreeing with you and what you had said before about these other people when it comes to hearsay it brings us back to the beginning of this conversation where you said conversation is a lost art. It's a dying form of, <laughs> if you're too afraid because you don't know the skill set to have to engage with somebody, which I would even go so far as to say thinking, learning how to cr think critically is a prereq or an, a willingness to learn how to think critically is a prerequisite to being able to have a conversation because to think critically means you must be curious. You must approach somebody with curiosity to say, I'm not passing judgment until I hear you out. I'm going to take the moment and the time and the energy to hear what you have to say, to see how you engage me to see. And much like you said, in your couple examples, I can check the box. I then look inward and say on my own integrity and by my own judgment, by my own due diligence, I can make a more accurate decision and I can live with the result. I can't point the finger of blame and just say, oh, well, somebody else just made the decision. And it, I'm, I'm taking the time on this because a lot of people who are listening to this are entrepreneur or they're, they're basically a leader in some form of their life. I think everybody, if they really want to live with true freedom and true integrity in their life, they consider themselves a leader and an owner of their life. That's scary and terrifying the first time you ever do it. It's also beautiful. Because you're like, oh, I am in control of my life. Cool. In the beginning, you feel like you're a lone wolf. And that's like, oh my God, is anybody out there? Well, yes, yeah, people love you. You just do right by others. Guess what? People, people are going to appreciate you and want to support you. Crazy idea. But this notion of critical thinking and being able to lean, lean into life with curiosity, I think is a, a really powerful thing that came out of it. And I'm just taking a look at the time. I want to be respectful of your time. I got another thing coming up. There, if I could really distinguishly pull out a couple of things that I took from this of keys of being a leader from our conversation today is one, know thyself, know who you are. Number two, communicate and connect, basically build relationships with people that share your aligned values. And of course, the prereq to that was know yourself so you could see that in others. And then three is think critically. All those pieces there all in one. I see really being a powerful premise of how do you become a better leader? Because you had said it before, people are natural born leaders. And I don't know if you're familiar with the book, it's called uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I read it 10 years ago. And I really enjoy this. Like 
if you think about it more from like a scale of one to 10, say some people come in at a three, some people come in at a seven, but you can learn leadership skills. And just, if, just because you come in at a three into this life doesn't mean your peak potential, it doesn't mean you can't get to six. Like maybe that's where as far as you can go, but your capacity for success in this lifetime at six is much better than if you just leave it at a three. If you come in at a nine, what if you do get to a 10? Wow. Nurture that, work on those skills of the things that we just talked about in those bullet points. And all of a sudden, whoa, what can you do in this life? I think there's a lot of beauty in that. And I think you've exemplified that in a lot of your, your story. Like you're still doing creative and exciting things, writing books. And you said it before, I was like, don't sell yourself short. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to get there to that millionaire status of like, <laughs> screw that. You're going to do it. Make it happen. Just watch me do it. Get it, girl. <laughs> Bonnie, my dear, um, I've really loved our conversation today. How would somebody best connect with you? I'm sorry, what? How somebody's listening and they're like, I love Bonnie. I want to connect with her more. What would be the best, best way for them to connect with you? Well, I guess, first of all, I like to give back. Mm. So if they go on bonnieasubstack.com, there's months of free professional development. All I have to do is um, become a subscriber. It's free. And then just go right through all of them. Some of the ones that had the most effect was the handshake. I did one on proper way to handshake. People don't shake hands today. It's this, what the hell is that? I'm sorry, but you want to do what? <laughs> no. So there was the handshake. Another one that people really liked, I think it was cursive writing. Cursive writing is now making a huge comeback, um, especially globally. And it's going to come to the United States eventually. But the reason cursive writing is come making a comeback is because it's the pen doesn't leave the paper. Okay, so it's one smooth flow. And it doesn't leave the paper until you finish it unless you have to cross the T and dot the I. Printing, on the other hand, can have six or seven different just the P or to make an R to make a W. And M, the pen is constantly coming off the paper, okay? That has an effect on the brain. So if some people, even adults, are ADHD, printing is very difficult for them. It takes them longer to do an exam in college if you're printing than if you're cursive. A cursive person in they found this out in the UK, a person who takes an exam in college doing cursive will always finish the exam, always. A person who is printing, most of the time they won't be able to finish the exam. Wow. And what they don't finish becomes a wrong answer. So they are now back teaching cursive. A child who has ADHD 
cursive is perfect because ADHD, you need to focus. It makes you do what? No multitasking. It's monotasking. They write their name. It's monotask. Doesn't come off the paper. So children who have ADHD are much better if they go and use learn how to do cursive. Another thing that I found in that research is people who know how to cursive write can read printing. People who can only print cannot read cursive. The, the, the letterings get all mixed up in their head. But cursive, they can read the printing. That's another thing that the uh, research showed. So there was some really, really interesting things. The very first one that I put out, and a lot of people liked as well, was the end user. Who's the end user? Who is that person? What is it that you're going to do for that person? Okay, for that customer. Always remember that it's not about you. It's about the end user. And all of those programs I give back for nothing. That's it. Go right ahead. All you have to do is subscribe. It's that simple. Subscription is free. Bonnieasubstat.com. The book has its own website. I have a pen name, Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, because I didn't want it to be a Y. And Bassett, B-A-S-E-T. I didn't want two S's, so I took one out. And that's how I got Kathy Bassett. It just, so, you know, somebody, my son said to me, how did you come up with that name? It's not even used on the internet. Nobody has it. How'd you come up with it? And I go, this is how I did it. He goes, you are so simplistic sometimes. <laughs> and I said, you know, I just kind of sort of look at what I like and what I don't like and what I want to achieve and what I don't. I wanted a pen name. I didn't want my book to have Bonnie Osfeld on it because I, it's a romance novel. And I didn't want people mixing up my business with my fun not romance novel. So I wanted them separate. And that's why I came up with a pen name. And I love the pen name. <laughs> and I love the website. So, you know, that somebody wants to get a hold of me, um, it's beaconresources at gmail.com. And beacon is B-E-A-C-O-N. Guess what? Like the lighthouse. There we go. The beacon of a lighthouse, B-E-A-C-O-N resources. A beacon at of light. Gmail.com. Mm, I love it. And so, um, you know, it it was coming up with um, Beacon Resources was a story in and of itself also. And that was because I told you earlier in the program that I started out as the typing place. Mm. And then I had one executive who was a, a longtime client. He said, you know, you're not doing that anymore. You need to change the name of the company to what you're actually doing. I go, oh, you can't ask me to do that. That's my baby. How could I possibly change it? Bonnie, you're not doing it anymore. You're doing career. 
And I said, I don't know how to do that. I honestly don't know how to do that. I thought about it. And again, the think with the end of mind, I put together a one day um, board of directors. It was just one day. I knew who to call. I called them and I said, I need you to be on this board of directors for four hours. And that's it. That's all. And then, well, what are we doing? And I said, well, this is what I need. Okay, I'll do it. And around that, there was only one person. And that person was uh, Frank from Professor Java's, who I absolutely adore. And he was going to provide all the food. And I said, Frank, there's only one requirement. You can't go in and out. No in and out. The door gets closed. You're in there for the whole time. There's no, unless somebody's out there bleeding, they can't come in and get you. Yeah, yeah, Bonnie, I can do that. I said, Frank, yeah, yeah, no, really, I can. I can do that. Okay, so there we are. All around the table, one woman that I absolutely did a tremendous amount of work with. I tell you, Caleb, they ripped my business apart like you wouldn't believe. They just ripped it apart. They just well, this and that, and they read these documents and these things that I did for customers and four hours, four hours. There was a point where I thought I was going to cry, but I couldn't. I wanted to, but I couldn't because I wouldn't be professional. This is a board of directors meeting. And at the end, they went around the table. They all wrote down privately what I had to do. And they all said the same thing. You have to change the name of the company. Every one of them said the same thing. You're not doing what you were doing as the typing place. You have to come up with a new name. It took me a year and a half to do that. Every name I came up with, I just, I couldn't. I just, I didn't like it. And finally, here, my son says to me, you love lighthouses, so why don't you just call it Beacon? Guiding Tools for Success in Business Careers and Education. And I'm going like, how did you come up with that? And then my daughter was listening to her and she said, no, no, it's got to be Beacon Resources because it's more than. That's the resources is the plus. And I go, Beacon Resources, Guiding Tools for Success in Business, Careers, and Education. And that's how it got changed. It's always that simple. It's a little bit of the, the fun, who am I, plus what do I do? And you can find that beautiful like harmony and synergy between that. It keeps that persona and that beauty alive. But sometimes, Caleb, you really do need to know to go who to go to. For sure. Because you may know yourself who you are okay where do you take that where do you go with it how do you apply it how do you implement it and if you're creative that's all well and good how do you go about it who do you use as a mentor for example um you know i mean seriously i have been very fortunate in the mentors I've had. 
I, I don't profess to say I did everything myself. I made all the decisions myself. I really did have conversations, and I mean that, very important conversations with myself, with people that I trusted, with mentors, and I really, I myself love being a mentor. That's why Bonnie A is on there, on Substack, because that's also being a mentor. It's you're not in front of me, but when you read that, if you have a question, if you want to talk to me personally, you can. It's free. And, you know, um, and I just have this sense of myself. If I can trust myself, then who else can I trust? But if I can't trust myself, what's the point? Goes back right? to know, goes back to know thyself. I can't think of a better sentiment to close this little chapter on this our very first recorded conversation together. I love that. <laughs> if I can't trust myself, what's the point? Ooh, that could be. I might even be the title of the show uh, to, for this episode. I still like be a beacon. That's what I was just thinking of. As you said those things, I was like, be a beacon. I think there's something in that. Bonnie, my love, I will make sure all those things are connected to your Substack and your book and all those other things. I'll make sure those pieces are in the um, show notes for anybody who's looking to connect and, and stay in touch with you. Thank you well, so much. I really do appreciate it, Caleb. And I can tell you that it's been a long time since I've had such a important conversation on business and business development. I, you know, I talked to a lot of people um, and I know a lot of people, but this is different, Caleb. This is really different because when I was looking to go find, become a guest on a podcast, I was specifically looking for and everything I looked at, it just was no, 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 no. And then I was like, here we go again. Who do I call? Sharon. Sharon will know. I call Sharon. Yeah, let's have lunch. Okay. We have lunch. We have this two-hour conversation. But within the first 15 minutes, she says to me, oh, you have to have Caleb. You have to be on Caleb's show. <laughs> Who is Caleb? And that's how it all happened. It's who you know to call that you trust, that you respect, that you know is an expert in their industry, and that they trust you. And because if Sharon didn't trust me and respect me, she never would have given me to you ever. She would not do that. So here I am. You are my very first podcast. And I am thrilled. I have had a wonderful time learning who you are and what it is that you do. And I will remember that. 
and I will, as I did already this morning, I put you all across my platforms. And um, so when it does come out, and what I will do now is do an update and um, let everybody know that when it's going to air, you'll give me the, uh, I'll put out the link so that they can listen to it. But in the meantime, um, I will, in fact, uh, promote you, promote what you do, and always stay in touch with me. That's really important, is that this isn't the end. Only the beginning. It's only the beginning. So, um, you know, just like with, with um, you know, Sharon is always in my mind. And, um, you know, I just consider her to be an amazing individual. And, and the, the, the video that she produced of you on, which is on her website, Woolen Productions, I was just mesmerized. I was watching you walk and talk with people and how relaxed they were talking with you and telling you different things about their life and what their aspirations were. What you got them to talk about was really fantastic. And you know what? It was conversation. That's what it was. I found that fascinating to watch. It means a lot. Thank you. I'm in my feels right now and I'm rarely speechless, so I don't <laughs> I don't even have good words to come up with. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just grateful for these words that you're sharing with me. And I told, I think I told you, or maybe it was just telling her, it was like a friend of yours, Sharon is a friend of mine just because, because of everything you're talking about, the exchange of trust and just the fact that you think of me in those ways. And I didn't expect any of that. I was, I'm a little, I'm a little blown away. I don't usually stumble over my words this way. So um, you've really warmed my heart. Well, I hope also you become a subscriber to Bonnie A at dot, what is it? Bonnie A dot subscribe. It's not an at sign. It's a dot. I don't know why they do it that way, but they do. And, well, I, uh, as you were talking about, I'm like, I should do a sub stack. That'd be an interesting way for me to just get my own resources out there. I'm like, what a good idea. Like make a simple way for people to just get access. Well, to you know how I found Substack. Substack is for authors, writers. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. So the topics are tremendous. Um, I actually am connected with a woman up in Canada who is very much into, I'm not a gardener, but she's very much into food and um, different kinds of things dealing with food. And I find her fascinating and Recently, she did two uh, newsletters on, in the event of a catastrophe, what's in your pantry? Mm. Whoa. Little you know, things. Yeah. And Little things it was become like, the big things. <laughs> you know, and I have a pantry downstairs. We, you know, we set that up for catastrophe years ago. We put some stuff in there. But what she had was, I gave it to my husband, I said, we don't have this down there what we do now you know and it was just because i respect her and i've never met her 
and I didn't have to. We've had conversations and she's just, she's brilliant in her field. And there she is way up in Northern Canada. And I never would have met this person, but you know, she connected with my newsletter and then I connected with her newsletter. And that's what Substack does is you can connect with different people's newsletters and read what they're, what they're doing and what they're saying. And there was one where, um, I was doing something on Facebook and with my first book, uh, the first lighthouse book. And I thought, I need an answer to this. I don't know somebody that I can do this with. So I went on a, on the independent authors. Facebook has a category, independent authors. And I put the question out and da 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 da, da. But then there was one who was so detailed and gave me a referral. And I looked at that, I went online and looked at that person's referral. That's the person that's doing book two. Well, there you go. Shows the power of connection. If we know what we want and where to go, and if we're true with ourselves, usually. The but the thing is, up. is sometimes, Caleb, you don't know the person. I have not met this editor, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for her. Mm-hmm. What she said, I said to her from the beginning, I don't like tracking. Well, that's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> know thyself. There we go. <laughs> and I've had, I've had to learn. Oh, I've had to learn tracking. It's just like, ooh. <laughs> the bane of every visionary's life. My, my, I do not like tracking either, but it's all good. Well, she, she knew and she made it easy also. <laughs> she did letters, numbers. <laughs> Follow this number. Follow this letter. <laughs> She was priceless. You're too cute. <laughs> well, Bonnie, my dear, it's been an absolute pleasure to welcome you on. I feel very honored and grateful to be able to be your first experience in hopping on a podcast. This is one of my favorite things to do because as we're talking about conversations, one of my deepest joys, well, if I was to add a little more flair to it, one of my favorite things to do is share a meal with people. So at some point you and I are going to have dinner. I will bring my lovely wife. I'd love to meet your husband have a grand old conversation about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But I enjoy conversation because, hey, it's a beautiful thing to learn and about other people. On a, on a, towards the end here, what I would like to say, like to offer is um, if you email me your physical address, I will send you a signed copy of book one. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. And I'm sure my yeah. wife will also read it as well. She's on maybe your wife, maybe your wife will like to read it. But you know what? I did some research, which is interesting in romance novels. 84% of readers who read romance novels are women. That the rest are men. Enough. Really? Are reading romance novels. And I think it's the reason the part of the reason is it's helping men. I have to say especially with my books, helping men to become men again. And I also think that that's a lost art. Men have found themselves not being, I don't want to use the word masculine, but maybe more of a man. They've lost that. And 
I think they might be gravitating towards the romance novels so that they can learn how to be a man's man. Um, and I think that that's important, you know, like, do you hold her hand in public? Why not? Right? Some men think they can't. Some men think they can't open the door for a woman. A man opens the door for me. And it's like, whoa, yes, thank you. And I'll smile. I let him. But some women would just like, I can do it myself. Well, yeah, I know you can do it yourself, but he's just being respectful. You happen to be ahead of him. It's not that you're a woman. It's just that you're ahead of him and he's behind you. He's just going to open the door for you. What's the big deal? Small gestures like that, I pay a lot of attention to, for the record. I, I'm a big one on hold the door and how you shake hands. You brought a couple of things up. That might have to be our second conversation right there. Just on those two things alone, I think we could write a novel on that. I, I don't know. I think maybe, I don't know. I, it's a, it's, it's, it, I don't have any research on it. I just find that with that kind of a percent, there's a reason. There's a reason they're reading it. And there was a reason why they're buying it. Hmm. So, Makes you know, sense to me. could be. Could be. I'd like to think so, <laughs> you know? Well, thank you, my dear. I've loved this conversation. I look forward to many, many more. Everybody who's listening, make sure you go check out Bonnie's stuff. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. So go check that out. Thank you, everybody, for listening today and sharing your time, your love, your energy. And I remind you until next time to love every body.